the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, We gather like this every weekend, and we're all so happy when you gather with us. Now, uh, we've got an engineer here, a par excellent. His name is Pete Paquette. You've heard of him. Pete gets us on the air. And Andrew Herdliska does the producing for this show. And in the first segment, I'm happy to introduce to you Brooklyn Rainey, founder and director of the Girls Leadership Camp, former Colgate University ice hockey star. Her book is out, One Trusted Adult, How to Build Strong Connections and Healthy Boundaries with Young People. Brooklyn, up there in New Hampshire, welcome to Orlando. How are you? Thank you so much. Hockey star. I'm not sure which bio you were reading. (laughs) I like it, though. Well, let, let's uh, let's plow into your book. What's the background here? How did the background this, is I'm an educator. Sorry, go ahead. How did how did the book come about? I am an educator, mother, camp director, as you mentioned, and honestly, it was in an auditorium, a school auditorium, where I heard prevention program after prevention program, whether suicide prevention, substance abuse prevention, sexual assault, any kind of talk about the things we worry most for young people. Every single talk ended with the facilitators and trainers telling young people to seek out a trusted adult. If they had a worry, a concern, a fear, to check in and connect with, ask questions of a trusted adult. And as a school administrator, I sat there after hearing it three times in a row and wondered if young people really knew what that meant to find and connect with a trusted adult and how we define that. And also, do the adults in the room know what that is and that we're aiming to be that for young people in all of our interactions, whether formal in school spaces or informal in neighborhoods and communities? So the book came from me really digging in on how do we talk about that as a preventative way to go upstream from all the problems and first really connect and build relationships adult to young person. Your book breaks down into three parts, building trust, establishing boundaries, creating culture. Let's start building trust. Why is it important, Brooklyn? How do we go about doing it? Trust is at the core of all our relationships. It's required in friendship. It's required in parenting, child relationships, and romantic relationships. It is an absolute necessity when it comes to any community coming together to care for one another. We break it down for young people by saying, like, how do I know who I can trust? 
They tell me the truth. That's our tea. They treat me with respect. They show me understanding. They make me feel safe. And they choose to make time. This is how we're talking to young people about speaking out trusted adults. Uh, they, they meet these qualities. And we also talk about the ABC, accessible, boundaried, and caring. And I know we'll get into boundaries in a section, second, but that's a huge component to building trust. So accessibility in terms of being available, approachable, present, boundaries in terms of always keeping safety the number one priority, and care that we feel a general investment of someone else in our well-being. There's a chapter under this area of building trust uh, that I want you to expand on. Fostering fostering trusted relationships at the organizational level. What does that mean? Well, we talk one-on-one a lot about that one teacher to one student or parent to child, grandparent to child, that there's a type of trust to build there one-on-one. But there's also trusted organizations, organizations that are paying attention to culture, that are openly communicating with one another, that are sending messages on the right things. Um, Sometimes traditions, history, the way we've always done things perpetuate in organizations, schools, sports organizations um, that are unhealthy and not good for the athletes or the students or young people, the adults. And so we want to focus on not just the one-on-one trusted adult relationship, but the group, the community, the organization working together to foster that trust. There's a a beautiful story from the summer camp world about a bench, and this is not included in the book, but has come out of the many trainings we've done since the book. And a person shared with me that, there's a, they were a new summer camp director at a summer camp, and there was a bench, and two campers were assigned to stand in front of that bench at all times and guard the bench. And the new summer camp director simply asked why. Why would we do that? And nobody could answer. And so they called the previous summer camp director, and that summer camp director said, you know what, it was just tradition. I upheld it. I'd never ask questions. We just stuck with it. And so they called the other camp director from way back, 40, 50 years ago, and asked that person, why do we assign two campers to stand in front of this bench and protect it? And this old, old, old camp director says, is the paint on that bench still wet? And this is kind of a funny story that's gone on in the camp world, and we tell it, and it's totally relevant to the school world. Um, It's simply that sometimes we accept things we've done in the past as the way they should be now, Instead of pausing to really question, what are we doing to foster healthy environments for everyone to thrive? Is this still important? Does this still matter? And does this foster the trusting environment that we're looking to build? Let's move to uh, part two of your book. Brooklyn Rainey is our guest. She's in New Hampshire. Establishing boundaries, the responsibility of a trusted adult. Why boundaries? Why now? Maintaining boundaries, upholding boundaries at the organizational level. Uh, I need you to expand on all of that, Brooklyn. Thanks. Yeah, sure. So boundaries are a key component of trust. Um, They keep us safe. They keep organizations safe. They keep the young person safe, and they protect the adult. There's been a lot of history of abuse, specifically of young people, in youth-serving organizations and schools uncovered in the last decade. Um, The statistic right now is that one in 10 young people in the United States will be abused 
neglected by an educator. In our public school systems, one in 10 young people will be abused, and that is not okay. We have got to do something about that. So as I built this program and was talking about being trusted adults, it became very clear that you can't talk about being a trusted adult, putting yourself out there and exposing yourself like that, without balancing it with a healthy conversation about boundaries. We break down boundaries in four parts. We call it our sustainable safeguarding practices. And we talk about brick wall boundaries, chain link fence boundaries, baby gate boundaries, and invisible fences. So the brick wall being the non-negotiables, the law, the things that we do not do. The chain link being that some of your family members can walk through a gate and maybe they engage with you online or they can say certain things that someone in a formal role with you, like a coach or a volunteer mentor or a teacher, may not have that same relationship. There's a chain link sense there. Baby gate boundaries, we adjust as we trust. As we learn to trust someone, we can move the boundary a little bit, but it's it requires emotional intelligence, and it's an ongoing dance between two people. And then the invisible fence boundaries are the social norms and agreements within an organization that we choose to make the norm. Just like that story I just told you, uh, the invisible fence, those are all the agreements we're making silently about how we work and operate together. And what we found is people aren't digging into these boundary conversations. We let people hurt us or we get upset before having a conversation about boundaries. So it's always reactive. And we are really trying to bring um, a proactive and preventative approach to boundary conversations across all youth serving organizations. Brooklyn, before we go any farther, I am so intrigued with your name. <laughs> there's gotta be, there's gotta be a story here. What's the, what's the background? Brooklyn Rainey. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I wish, I wish there was a, a great story. I grew up in a tiny town, a village called Brussels, Ontario, in Canada, and my mother said it was, you know, in the in the news or it was on some like the film cast on a movie the night before I was born, and she saw it and she just had to name me that. So. Uh, they, I'm not even sure if my parents had ever been to New York, <laughs> but, but um, I ended up going to grad school in New York, and so it was pretty funny to be named Brooklyn and, and spending a lot of time in Brooklyn. But I have lots of pictures of the bridge, and um, yeah, it's, it has served me well. Uh, it's a conversation starter, I am sure. Brooklyn, yeah. it's time to move to uh, part three. Brooklyn Rainey is our guest, the book One Trusted Adult. Creating culture, partnering with purpose, breaking the silence, embracing a feedback loop. What is your definition of culture, and, and what are you writing here? What we're talking about with culture is a lot of, of what I've shared already, like trusted organizations um, and building teams of people. We can't, youth work cannot be done alone. A perfect parent still cannot do it all alone. The perfect teacher can't do it all alone. We've got to build partnerships to protect one another, to inspire one another, and also to be giving ongoing feedback. We found that, um, especially in the boundaries piece, when someone feels like something is off, something is not right, their gut instinct is to report it or ignore it. And we have found that people are not willing to have direct conversations with peers or colleagues about behaviors or choices that might be disrupting their ability to work with a young person or that might be putting 
themselves at risk, like wanting to give feedback in order to protect and keep safe. And so when we talk about culture, we're talking about open community um, that protects one another, looks out for each other, and always centers young people and the, the needs of youth at the center. We have a term, we say, ouch, thank you, when it comes to feedback. And I'm sure with your history in sports, you know a lot about giving and receiving a feedback and how important it is for someone to be open and coachable. And we love the term, ouch, thank you, because if someone is giving feedback to us, ouch, it hurts. Sometimes it stings. You don't always want to hear it, but it's always followed by a thank you because someone is taking the time to look out for you and to invest in your improvement. So we're just trying to change the approach um, and the mentality towards supporting each other, helping each other out, and holding each other accountable. There's a chapter in that part <clears throat> I want you to talk about. Even better than <clears throat> even better than one teams of a, of trusted adults. What are you writing there? Again, we're talking about taking care of one another. Um, a young person needs a lot, and <laughs> they need a lot of different modes. We talk about the four C's, cheerleaders, challengers, comforters, and coaches. Our cheerleaders are there to pick us up, to inspire us. Our challenges are there to hold us accountable, to give us that feedback we need. Our comforters are there to take care of us during the toughest of times. And the coaches are there to help us make a plan to set goals and strive for them. I find myself as a parent, I lean towards coaching all the time. Like if my son's having a hard time, if he's in a good place, it doesn't matter. I go into coaching mode and I want to, like, what's next? What's the goal? And I think that's an athlete's mentality. I'm always leaning towards coach. But I also recognize that he needs comforting. He needs challenging. He needs cheerleading. And so after football practice one day or after his rehearsal for theater, if he's down, I've got to be in tune with what he needs and not just the mode that I prefer to go into. And if I don't have the capacity, the skills, or know what to do in that moment, I've got to be okay with inviting other adults into our lives who can fill that need for him. In adolescence, young people are starting to liberate, and that's a good thing. We want them to grow the skills and get ready to fly the nest. And so sometimes that means us as parents stepping out of the way and making room for other trusted adults. My favorite story is he was really down one night, and I said, tomorrow morning, let's go for a drive. He was just learning to drive. And so I was trying to cheer him up. I fretted all night. He was just, he was just down. He had some friend drama going on, and his football stuff wasn't going well. I really wanted to cheer him up. I'm making food, do all the mom things. And we're at the gas station, we pull in, and I'm racking my brain on what I can do to boost his mood and help him out and support him. And from across the parking lot, some adult that I did not know at all yelled to him, came running over, where you been? We missed you at work. And it was someone he had worked with in the summer that took the time. And it was like two minutes, two minutes, a two-minute interaction completely changed my son's demeanor, attitude. Um, and just boosted him in a way that his own mother couldn't do. And so this idea of teams of trusted adults is letting go of the, fact of the idea that I can do it all and be it all for a young person and inviting other adults in to round out um, the coaching and the mentoring and the guidance that our young people need. 
Brooklyn Rainey is our guest. We got another segment with her. One Trusted Adult, that's the name of the book. You're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new AM 990. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando, we will return. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. My guest uh, from the lovely state of New Hampshire, Brooklyn Rainey, author of One Trusted Adult. Uh, At the very end of your book, Brooklyn, there's a summary of tactics for building trust, establishing boundaries, and creating culture. Uh, Can you share that with us? Sure. We have interviewed hundreds of people at this point, adults, young people, all on these categories. What makes someone trusted? What is a healthy boundary and how do you uphold it and maintain it? How do you build strong and healthy cultures? And we've put together a list for everyone they can find in the back of the book. And throughout the book, we go into much greater detail. Um, But the building trust list, it's about declaring motive, really knowing your why. We say when you've lost your why, you've lost your way. So if you are mentoring, teaching, guiding, parenting, what is your why in that? And share it with young people. Hitting the mark is about setting goals, um, not for young people, but setting them with young people. And that's a big theme in all our work, is never, ever doing something for, but always doing something with. A great way to build trust and empower young people is to collaborate. So you'll, you'll find all kinds, asking questions, not answers, being fully present, modeling vulnerability, all in the trust section. Throughout the boundary section, you will... You'll read about recognizing your limits, working within your scope, getting what you give and checking your tone. Long list there. And then creating culture is about saying it, doing it, becoming it, uh, opening up to partner with local organizations, partner with graduates or people who've been through your youth-serving program, and cultivating healthy conversations and always asking for feedback. Brooklyn Rainey. Brooklyn, I'm intrigued. Um, with the um, girls leadership camp, uh, what are you seeing with uh, young ladies in this area of leadership? Are they are they born? Are they created? Can they be developed? What, what have you learned about leadership and, and young ladies? That's a great question. Yeah, we've been running the girls leadership camp for over ten years now, and also it's become something called Girl Captain, where we travel to Morocco and to Peru, and we take graduates of our program with us to then facilitate leadership workshops and programs of their own, which has been amazing to see over the years. What I've come to learn and really strongly believe is that everyone is a leader, that inside everyone, there's an opportunity for them to share a unique skill, gift, or talent with the world, and it's about knowing when to step up and knowing when to step back. So we say, if you have a gift and if you have something to offer, an idea, you've got to step up. And so 50% of the the young women who attend our program, we're working with them to really understand when and how to step up, to find that inner courage, to to really use their voice and share. And the other 50%, I would say, I'm working with to step back and 
helping them understand that leadership sometimes looks like stepping back. When someone else has a gift, talent, idea to step back, like leadership can be supporting that other person and sharing their voice. In one program, so we've talked about this year after year after year, and I was running an activity with 12 of our oldest, so they were entering ninth graders, and I had worked with one of the young women's um, lacrosse team the week before, and so she had already done this activity. So I had lots of team-building activities in my bag. We had these big rubber rings we were playing, and she knew the trick on how to accomplish the task because she had just done it with me. But she was pretty quiet and wasn't going to insert herself in, in this group. And so I threw out the task. I know that she knows. She's not saying anything. And one of the young women who held a lot of power, a lot of presence, she's a star basketball player. She's just big in the world, like in all the ways, just big, big presence. She's sort of takes over, let's try this, let's try this. And then she said, wait. And she turned and looked at me and smiled. And she said, has anyone done this before? And does anyone have any insights to offer? Which was not her natural way before. She was always charge ahead lead, whether she was the right person for the job or not. She was just going to take the mic and go. And so over four years of being in a program, I watched her grow this understanding of, wait, a true leader might step back right now and see. And by her doing that, it opened up an opportunity for this other young woman to share. And they mastered this activity in minutes. And, you know, this is just an incubator. This is just a, a test of, of what's out there in the world. It was a silly, you know, tossing rings activity. But there's so many applications to the group work they'll do in school and in their future employment and on their teams and in their communities. And so we are all about building personal skills for community contribution. And that is what we mean by leadership. Brooklyn, Ra <clears throat> Brooklyn Rainey has written the book, One Trusted Adult, How to Build Strong Connections and Healthy Boundaries with Young People. Brooklyn, <clears throat> how would you summarize our discussion? How could you boil it down uh, to a fine point here that you would share with our listeners? I believe that every adult has the capacity to be a trusted adult for young people and that, yes, we'll always be there for them when there's a worry and concern or fear or problem, but we've got to work to build that connection and that fun on the front end so we can prevent some of the things we're most worried about and have proactive conversations about skills that they will, they need to learn in order to serve them well in the future. So, we always say, be who you needed. I guess the best way to distill it is be who you need today and be who you needed yesterday. Brooklyn, <clears throat> what's next for you? Does this book lead uh, where? Where do you want it to take you? We, I mean, I am open <laughs> and, and fascinated at where it's already taken me and grateful. Um, we are running trainings all over the world, virtually and in person. And we have a full-blown organization now, and we're partnering with youth-serving organizations to provide mentorship curriculum, advisor curriculum, training. Um, we have something called Operation OTA, which is an assessment tool for schools to use. So we would love for people to go to our website, sign up for our newsletter, read about what we're doing, engage, and we're always sending out um, free and fun tools to use in the classroom, at the kitchen table, in the car, uh, again, to promote connection and fun and really important conversations. 
Um, Brooklyn, <clears throat> how do you uh, explain living in New Hampshire to those of <clears throat> excuse me to those of us living right. down here in sunny Florida? Right now, cold. Um, I love, love, love the seasons. We live on Lake Winnipesaukee, and we boat and kayak and ice fish and climb mountains and spend as much possible time outdoors as we can. So. Uh, Florida does sound lovely right now. I'm not going to lie, but we absolutely love New Hampshire. Um, Brooklyn, I'm so glad that we had a chance to visit. And uh, now tell absolutely. tell our listeners uh, who want to learn more about your camp uh, what do they mm. what do they do? What are your instructions? Yeah, so to learn more about our big organization, go to onetrustedadult.com and. If you have uh, a young woman interested in attending camp this summer on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire, we are kicking back up after COVID shut us down for a little while. And that would be to go to generationchange.org. Um, so that Generation Change is the overarching nonprofit that oversees the Girls Leadership Camp. Uh, folks, Brooklyn Rainey has been our guest talking about her book, One Trusted Adult. And speaking of books, <clears throat> my latest book is out. It's a devotional. Uh, Every day is game day. Did it with a friend, Mark Atterbury. And a 365-page devotional. Every devotion has a, a sports story uh, to lead it off. Uh, kind of unique. I'm not sure anybody's done it, but I think you'll enjoy this. So when you go up to Amazon and order One Trusted Adult by Brooklyn Rainey. Uh, get a copy of uh, Every Day is Game Day. I think you'll be very, very pleased. Uh, we've uh, got more. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. For many, many years, we have gathered just like this on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando, to talk to a wide range of guests. And we're always so pleased when uh, when you plugged in with us. So, uh, stay tuned. We will be right back with more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And, of course, uh, you're plugged into the new AM 990 at FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Brooklyn Rainey, our guest in that first segment, talking about her book, One Trusted Adult. Well, we go from her home in New Hampshire to Nashville, Tennessee. We have found there the veteran Jack Countryman, a founder of J. Countryman Gift Books. You know all about those gift books. He's been awarded, oh, many, many times. And his new book, The Power of Hope, A Hundred Devotions to Build Your Faith. Jack, first of all, welcome to Orlando. I'm so glad to uh, hook up with you again, and I hope you're doing well. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm 92 years of age, and I'm in good health, and Marcia and I are just enjoying life. Well, Jack, that's so great. Boy, that's an inspiration to me. 
you've got about 11 years on me, Jack, maybe 10. When we, You were born when, 1930? 1929. 1929. Isn't that spectacular? Love it. Well, I'm so glad you're doing well. Tell me about this new book. Well, you know, hope is mentioned in the Bible 190 times. So I guess God wanted us to get in on hope. And, uh, you know, uh, among the many gifts that God pours into the lives of his children is hope. You know, some might even say he's in the business of hope. You know, again and again in Scripture, we see God's blessing his people with hope. For starters, uh, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, Daniel, Mary, Paul, and many others. And as we look at the scenes from these people's lives, we see how God, given hope, gave his people power, the kind of power that only he can give. Jack, go ahead. I want to dive in uh, because there are, uh, well, a hundred of these uh, fabulous little, well, uh, teachings and anecdotes. Let's get started. I'm eager to do this. Uh, Number one, loving God, our highest priority, the psalmist. Uh, Tell us about it. Well, God wants most from us. He wants us to love him. And he created us to have an intimate relation with him. And he made us to thirst for him. With the same intensity we have when parsed and dry, we seek water for our physical self. He wants us to seek him and enjoy him and interact with him. So that's why I chose this psalm to be the first entry into the book. And you know, I there are 56 different people that I chose in these hundred devotions, and uh, so it's uh, it's all about the people of the Bible, mm. the people of the Bible that bring uh, glory to God, and so it's just really important. Let's get to the second topic here. Honoring our God, David. Well, King David wanted to build a house for his uh, great, powerful, and glorious God. The Lord gave that privilege to David, son Solomon. And uh, to honor God and help Solomon succeed, David gave his personal fortune. Can you imagine? 113 tons of gold and 214 tons of silver to the building project. That's a pretty good amount of money, isn't it? Oh, boy. Let's move to topic three, the greatest power, love, Paul. Well, this you know, Paul has a really has a uh, unusual experience. He was a persecutor of the church in the beginning. But on the road to Damascus, God intervened in his life, and God took him under his wing 
And from that time forward, Paul had a passion to fulfill with hope, to please the Lord, and to spread the word of God to the to everybody. And much of the New Testament was written by Paul. So Paul became a powerful evangelist for the Lord, all because hope, the seed of hope, was planted in his life on the road to Damascus. Mm. Now, Jack, topic four, the power of the Holy Spirit within. Again, Paul, tell us, tell us about this. Well, we read today's scripture again and try to hear the words as it was if for the first time. Simply put, there is no Christianity without the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Christian persecutors turned Jesus' followers. The Apostle Hope knew the critical truth as the gospel, meaning the good news. We move to topic number five, the hope God's children have. John. Well, this is all about John. John was uh, one of the favorite disciples of Jesus, one of the twelve. He and his brother James were Zebedee's sons. The Lord had nicknamed him Sons of Thunder. And uh, John was the last disciple who was alive, and he wrote in Revelation, uh, giving the Christians hope, we wrote, Revelation 21.4, there shall be no more death, nor sour, nor crying in heaven. I want you, uh, Jack Countryman is our guest. He's put together another outstanding book, as only he can do it. It's called The Power of Hope, 100 Devotions to Build Your Faith. Uh, Topic number six, a lesson in grace, Peter. Well, Peter knew about grace, and the lesson had been painful. You know, Peter denied Christ three times just before his crucifixion. And when Christ appeared after the resurrection, he forgave Peter for what he had done. And as a result of that, Hope was planted in his life, and he became a pillar for the Lord, preaching to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and he became a powerful evangelist, speaking of all the things that Jesus means to each of us. Let's move to number topic seven, the message of redemption and hope. Uh, Again, Peter. Well, in the, in the preceding devo- devotion, we saw Peter's perhaps his lowest moments to save himself. Peter denied knowing Jesus. Today we see spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, Peter preaching the message of our redemption by the precious blood of Christ. You know, I, we're to follow Peter's example and share the news of Jesus. And the question I have for everyone, 
when was the last time you shared the gospel with one of your friends? That is something we need to do every day. Let the, the words of the Lord shine through us so we can be all that we've been called to be. Number eight, a living hope, Peter. Well, that's First Peter 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. We have a place in heaven, and Peter brings that to light. You know, our God is faithful, a promise maker and a promise keeper. He's always faithful, keeps his promises. He makes us less than faithful human beings. Now I want you to get to this one, Jack, number nine. The hope of Christ's return, and this is Paul again. Yes, well, knowing that waiting for Jesus' return would be difficult, the Apostle Paul wrote to encourage believers then and now to hope in our Lord and Savior's return, not wanting his brothers and sisters in Thessalonica to sorrow as others who have no hope. Paul offers some specifics about the moment the Lord returns for his church. Specifics perhaps revealed to him when he was caught up in the third heaven. Let's get to this this one, Jack. Excuse me. Steadfast hope. That's Paul again. Yes. Yes, steadfast hope. And, uh, you know, it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive will remain, so be caught up with him together, with him in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord, therefore comfort one another with these words. Ooh, how powerful is that? Fabulous. Number 11. God's promise to Abraham. Abraham. Well, um, you know, it, it was a rem- remarkable act of obedience. Abram, whom we know as Abraham, heard God say, get out of your country. Go to the land I will show you. And Abraham, Abram, did exactly that. And along the way, God repeated his covenant promises to Abraham. He promised of descendants, a great name, land, blessing, and opportunity to bless others. God's covenant with Abraham offered him an unwavering source of hope, something Abraham needed when his faith wavered. Now, number 12, hoping in God's provision, Adam. Well, this is all about Adam. 
You know, the first task that God ate Adam, gave Adam, the first man was naming every beast and bird that he had created. But the Genesis account sadly reports, for Adam there was no, not found a helper comparable to him. Yet it seemed that God got to work right away to remedy that situation. Hear the joy in Adam's word when God brought him to life. This is now bone of my bone. So God gave him a helpmate. Jack Countryman is with us. Jack, tell us about number 13. Hoping in whom? Aaron. Well, Aaron, you know, three times Moses had objected to being Israel's spokesman and going before Pharaoh. Neither the burning out nor burning up the bush, nor the rod turned snake turn rod, turn rod, nor the clean hand turned the lepers and made them clean, nor God's promises to be with him had convinced Moses that he could do whatever God called him to do. Despite all of his conversation with God, Moses still doubted his ability to speak to Pharaoh on the Lord's behalf. No wonder God was angry. So God called Aaron to be the spokesman for Israel, and Moses would be the intermediary, speaking on God's behalf and telling Aaron just exactly what to say. Jack Countryman is our guest. We're talking about his latest book. It's a hundred devotionals built around the word hope. Well, uh, hope is uh, a big part of all of our lives. We need it. And uh, the good news is uh, we've got hope for a second segment with Jack Countryman. Stay with us. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Jack Countryman is the founder of J. Countryman Gift Books. And his latest book is out, The Power of Hope, 100 Devotions to Build Your Faith. And you'll notice uh, the word hope is coming up an awful lot of times. Jack, we're at uh, topic number 14. Growing in faith and hope, Ananias. Well, you know, I would like to remind some of the people of... uh, Romans fifteen four, where it says, well, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You know, that the Bible just says again and again through so many times, 151 times, points out the necessity for us to have hope in our lives. If, you're, if you don't have hope, you're lost. And God gives you hope 
so that you can come to him and depend on him. And they're demonstrated through the book, through all the characters of the Bible, just how important it is to reach out to the Lord and ask him to give hope to you for whatever you're facing in life. Hope is an essential that each of us need. Now, Jack, tell us about number 15, fear or hope, question mark, Joshua and and Caleb. You know, this is all about Joshua and Caleb. Uh, As all the people in the Bible and the the people of Israel, they were in the minority. The report of the other ten men, the the other ten that went into the spy out the land of Canaan, it was very different from Joshua and Caleb. They all said, oh, no, the land is full of giants. We can't do anything. And these ten brought back not only a cluster of grapes that required two men to carry on a pole, but also stories of giants in the land, stories that filled the people with fear. They just didn't trust what the Lord had told them. Jack, tell me about number 16, hoping in the Holy Spirit's work. This is Paul again. Well, this is 2 Corinthians 13, 17, and 18, where it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul's conversion experience was dramatic, as we just discussed. This one-time persecutor of Jesus' early followers went on to write 13 New Testament letters about theology living out our faith in Christ and honoring God with our lives. And we're still reading those letters today, and they're still affecting our life today. Jack, tell us about uh, number 17, sharing our hope. Uh, This is Cornelius. Yes. Cornelius was a Roman soldier who walked with God. When the Lord's angels gave Cornelius instruction, Cornelius obeyed. While the angel visited Cornelius, the Lord was preparing Peter a Jew, to accept the radical invitation to enter a Gentile's home. Placing his hope and trust in God, Peter went with Cornelius' emissaries when he arrived at Cornelius' home and saw a gathering of family and friends. Peter preached the gospel, the good news of hope in God, hope for today and hope for eternity. Let's move to number 18, living out our faith and hope, Daniel. Well, Daniel was quite a a pillar in God's army. He was exiled in Babylon after the siege of Jerusalem. Daniel remained committed to the Lord. He 
remains faithful in his prayer life, his eating habits, in his worship day in and day out, Daniel walked closely with God. And when King Nebuchadnezzar learned that Daniel was gifted in understanding visions, he called for the young Hebrew. And when Daniel was able to tell Nebuchadnezzar not only what his dream was, but also its meaning, Daniel praised the Lord with a song that includes the lines of today's passage. Later, standing in front of the king, Daniel gave God all the credit and all the glory. Now I want you to explain to us number 19, making big requests of our big God, Elijah. Oh, yes. Well, Elijah had passed the prophetic baton to Elisha and would soon be taken to heaven by God. He had walked with God throughout his life, and he didn't experience death. Aware of the magnitude of the position he was assuming, Elijah asked to receive a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elisha made his big request because he had come to know a great God, and our God responds to us in big ways. Have you noticed how each of these these people really accept and cling to the hope that God gives them. It doesn't come and go, but it becomes a part of their lives. And it's so important that we let the hope that God wants and has for each of us, let it become a part of us so we can enjoy the Lord and bask in his presence. Jack, tell us about uh, number 20, Hoping in our <clears throat> hoping in our sovereign God, Esther. Well, this was taken from Esther two sixteen and seventeen. Esther was taken to King Arasas into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen. You know, God often demonstrates his grace to his children by giving us not only unexpected blessings, but also unexpected power or influence. Whenever the latter happens, it's not an accident. That power or influence is placed in a plan of our sovereign God. Jack Countryman, our guest. Jack, uh, number 21, is called Growing Hope, Gideon. Well, Gideon didn't think he had any power at all. You know, as Gideon hid in a wine press, to thresh his sweet, so his Midian, Midianite enemies wouldn't steal him, steal it. God called Gideon to destroy the altar of Baal, and then to save Israel from the Midianites. Similar to 
reluctance, Moses, Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Clearly, Gideon's doubt outweighed whatever hope he had in the Almighty. Hence, the fleece. God agreed to Gideon's test and delivered twice. Whether from a lack of trust in God or a lack of courage or both, Gideon clearly wanted to lead Israel against the Midianites and the Malachites. But when he did, he saw God was true to his promises. I will be with you. And this is something we ought to take in our lives. Whenever we doubt God, we need to trust him and lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will direct our path. This is a good lesson for each of us. Jack Countryman has been our guest. The book, The Power of Hope, A Hundred Devotions to Build Your Faith. You just got a little taste of it today. Go get the book. You'll be absolutely pleased. Uh, We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us here, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Brooklyn Rainey in that first segment from New Hampshire, one trusted adult, and then Jack Countryman in Nashville, the power of hope. Uh, Folks, we're still trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you could be a big help. There's a website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com. Go up there and just check in. Uh, Just uh, say, good idea, I'm all for this. Orlando's ready to be a Major League Baseball city. Uh, I'd be interested in season tickets, perhaps, if this all works. OrlandoDreamers.com. Well, folks, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And stay tuned all day long to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You'll be a better person for it. Uh, Have a great week ahead. We'll see you next weekend. Uh, do everything in love. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.